difficulties. <laughs> hey. Well, I'm excited to be able to be back and, and, uh, and share God's word with you guys. Um, some people think it's just happened, you know, just happened and, and uh, that, that we asked the guys to come fill in that we did. Um, but it was really thought out because, you know, Pete Wall came and he preached 25 minutes. And y'all were like, oh, that's what you need to do, Jeremy. You need to preach 25 minutes and let us out so we can be um, home before 12 o'clock. And then last week, my good friend Heath came, and uh, he preached until supper time. And so, <laughs> you, you, you get what I'm saying. I, I want you to understand, I'm right in the middle. You hear what I'm saying? I'm right in the middle. <laughs> Any y'all thankful for being right in the middle this morning? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Well, it's, um, this past week, God's really been stirring in my heart. You know, I know it's the last part of our marriage series, and uh, I know some of you are thinking, whew, amen. I'm tired of hearing about marriage. I'm tired of you telling me what I'm doing wrong. And uh, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. You need to get off my back. But um, anyway, uh, God's just really been speaking to my heart. And, and about through this marriage series, and this, this, this last message in particular is talking about how we should be people that are on mission for God. And that's shown up so much when, in, a, in relationships and in marriages. But I hope this is going to be a little bit for everybody this morning. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, is is we see marriage as the next step in a relationship process instead of being unified with God. Y'all with me? I got to air on so y'all can be awake and not asleep. Y'all better come on. And, and so that's the thing is marriage was created by God to kind of mirror our relationship with him. You know, so if... If our marriage is jacked up, most of the time it's because our relationship with Jesus is jacked up. That's not in all situations, but in most cases it is. I know it was for my own personal life. And so when we are pursuing Jesus, we're pursuing God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, when we're doing that, most of the time we can live in harmony in marriage. But when we're not, that's when uh, all this other stuff comes right, raising its ugly head. Y'all with me? And y'all can sit there and act like you ain't got no problems in your marriage if you want to. But we know better. See, and I think we got to remember, too, that, that marriage is important to God because marriage molds us into what God calls us to be. It's taking two imperfect people, putting them under one house, and without the Holy Spirit, that's a disaster coming on. You know what I'm saying? It was with me. Uh, two people trying to, when Sabrina and I, when we were both going in the same direction, which was not God, we both were, were hitting the, the party scene. We were doing that. Man, everything was great. Everything was glorious. But I got saved, and that put a little kink in the whole plan. I wanted to go to church, and she wanted to go to the club, and it, it just kind of, it kind of mixed. Yeah, and y'all looking at me like, Sabrina looked like that type of person that would want to do that. <laughs> That's the glory how good God is. I'm going to tell you, I give God glory how he can change people. But the thing is, is that, when you're going in the same direction, it's easy. But when two people are going in different directions, it causes friction, it causes problems. And if both of us are going in the direction that God's called you to go in, everything's going to work itself out. And, and so when, when two imperfect people are living under the same roof, you have to implement what you say you believe often and repetitively. You with me? You got you, you, you. Sabrina had to operate in the whole thing of forgiving me often, it working on her forgiveness. Uh, 
me being inconsiderate, me being selfish, and her having to forgive me and not being bitter because that's the thing. If you don't forgive each other, then you'll be bitter because of how your spouse has been treating you, and that bitterness will keep going, and bitterness will ruin a marriage. And so that's why it's so important that we as God's people, if we're truly pursuing God, that's not saying that it's all going to be rainbows and lollipops. You know what I'm saying? It's just you're going to be able to overcome the obstacles in your path more easily. And so I, I want you to, I know we've, we've been preaching about priorities and we've preached about um, just handling conflict. And I know a lot of people feel like they've been beat down. It's like, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I'm, I'm failing in all these different areas. And, and I look at my marriage and you say my marriage is supposed to look like Christ, but yet it don't. And, and how does it get there? And you feel overwhelmed. And I'm here to tell you, Rome wasn't built in a day. And, and, and nothing's going to, Nothing, your marriage is not going to change overnight. You don't just get saved and start following Jesus, and all of a sudden your wife turns in to Mother Teresa. It don't work out like that. It's a genuine progression. But God puts you together to teach you life lessons for a reason. I remember when I first um, got when I first got my driver's license, my daddy. Um, gave me a very genuous gift. He gave me a 1977 Chevrolet pickup truck. It was his old hunting truck. There wasn't a place on it, like a white wiffle ball. There wasn't a place on it. It didn't have a dent. It leaned to one side. It was, I mean, it was... When I got out, I had that little walk to me. But it had that... It, it leaned to one side. It, it, it squeaked. When Sabrina rode in it, she was horrified that somebody was going to see her. But that truck tore down at least twice a week. And I was so mad because all my buddies, they had brand new rides. Here I am, old squeaky coming behind them. And, and, and it just, it frustrated me so much. But looking back, it gave me life lessons. Because I, had, I wouldn't know how to work on a vehicle if I wasn't for that old raggedy truck. But you know, the thing is, is I knew that I had to, that was my only way. That was the only way I'm going to get point A to point B, and I had to spend time working on that truck. One of the first times Sabrina ever met me, I said, baby, can you get in there and turn the key? I got to hit this starter with this hammer to get it cranked up. She's like, what? I was like, just don't judge me. Just get in the truck and do that. She, bam, bam, it cranks up. We can take off. But I'm telling you that story to tell you this, is that God's put you together. In reality, we're like that old raggedy truck when we first get married. And through time and through the Holy Spirit, God's allowing you to work on each other through this process. And you have to replace some parts that were faulty. You have to replace some things that were jacked up. You have to, maybe have to, if you want to keep driving that truck, if I would have kept driving it, I would have fixed it up. I would have kept, I would have fixed all the dents. I would have done all these things to it till it looked like new. And God puts you guys in this, you put both of us in this marriage relationship so that through the Holy Spirit, it continues to work on us until we're both molded to look like new. Y'all with me? God wants to use a marriage to restore you to what he's called you to look like from the beginning. And you wouldn't look that way unless he puts you in this place. Because when you get married, it makes you surrender to that selfishness. It makes you, at least it should, let me back that up, at least it should make you surrender to that selfishness. It makes you Realize that you're not right all the time. See, one man should have said amen up in here. But anyway, it makes you realize that, that some things are not worth fighting over. 
as you're pursuing God. And that's what I'm, the mission is so important because what God created your marriage for is when somebody sees how you care for one another, it says they've got something nobody else has. And it points people to Christ because the way you love each other. Now, some of y'all be toting your Bibles and got... I ain't going to say nothing, but it's, you got a cross on your, on your windshield, and y'all fighting, fuss, and getting in the car, and it's like, if they got Jesus, I don't want it. Like, easy, easy, baby. Don't get nowhere around that car. Just walk way around. Don't let none of that stuff rub off on you. Because we've lost focus of what this marriage is supposed to be. You've lost focus of what it's supposed to look like. And God's called us to be a people that are pursuing him. And I know a lot of us are like, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what, I don't know what the next step is. I just know that right now, and you can, you can smile if you want to, but you've got issues in your marriage you don't know how to fix. There's problems you don't know how to overcome. There's a lot of stuff you've just been brushing under the rug. You can only put stuff under the rug for so long until you trip over it. And so I want to give you some encouragement this morning. Second Peter, he's on the money. Second Peter 1, 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge. I'll read it. And to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. That was my bad. And what I'm trying to tell you is that God's given you through the Holy Spirit all the tools you need in the toolbox. To have a life of victorious, to have a victorious life in Christ, to have a life that you can overcome any obstacle that comes in front of you. But the problem is, a lot of us are just like, God's given us this GPS system to be able to get to where he wants us to go, but a lot of us are these hard-headed people that want to do it our way. I remember riding with a friend of mine when these GPS units just come out. We're riding to, we're riding to uh, McCray. From my house to McCray takes almost an hour. Three hours took us to get there. We're driving, and I'm like, I can read signs, too. Man, we're riding, and that thing's like, take a ride here. And my buddy just keeps going. I was like, where you going? He's like, that thing don't know what it's doing. I said, well, recalculating. We keep riding. I know where I'm going. Okay. He takes me. Recalculating. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I know where I'm going. Okay. Recalculating. And finally, I just shut up. I unplugged the thing. I was like, look, we'll get there when we get there, I guess. And a lot of us are like that. God's given us all the tools that we need to have a godly life, but yet we're like, you know what? I got this, God. I know where I'm going. I'm going to handle this on my own. And what we're doing is saying, you know what? You just shut up and watch me do this. And, and if we got to listen to God's word and do what it says in order for our lives to have the, to really to have the, the victorious attitude that we want, God says that, Jesus says that he came to give us life and have it more abundantly. And a lot of us don't, don't feel and have that abundant life because we're not walking in the way God's called us to walk. Y'all with me? And, and one of the things I think we need to understand is that there's a lot of things all of us need to work on. And a lot of times we look at the, 
negative things, and, and, and they become so more important, and we forget the good stuff. Y'all with me? Oh, they don't ever do this. They don't ever do that. Good for nothing. Don't do this. Don't take out the trash. Don't. You look at all the bad stuff they don't do, but you don't see the good stuff that happens. And the problem is a lot of our perspective is looking, because society does that. Y'all with me? Society looks at all the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. Watch the news. You have to take a volume after you get through watching it. I mean, it, it suppresses you because it, our society wants you to look at all the bad stuff instead of pointing to the good things that are going on. And that's the thing is you've got to change your perspective instead of looking at things the way you look at things and to look at things the way God's called you to look at them. Look at things in a godly perspective because this life is not about your marriage. And often it's, when people are married, they think that's the means to an end. No, it's not about your marriage. It's about Jesus. Your life is about Jesus. Every relationship, every, every circumstance, every situation is molding you more and more, should be molding you more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's what God created us to be, is to be molded more and more into the likeness of himself. So when you look at life in, in, in the perspective of what is this doing to mold me into Jesus? Y'all with me? So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common spirit, I mean sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking into your own interest, but each of you having the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And you read that, and it's like, all right, that's what I need to do, but that's easier said than done. Y'all with me? Like, putting others above yourself? Come on, now what? Y'all looking at me like, I don't think that. Come on. I mean, that's the reality. You, all right, they don't, how many times are we supposed to forgive <laughs> we talk about it in my connect group all the time. You're supposed to forgive, you know, what Jesus says. It, don't, you can't stop forgiving because Jesus never stops forgiving you. You with me? But when people do stuff, we draw a line in the sand like, oh, that's enough. You ain't taking advantage of me no more. That doesn't show the mind of Jesus. That doesn't show the likeness of Christ. And so we, I want you to understand that with marriage, it says have the same mind. We've got to have the same mindset of Jesus Christ if we're going to Live this life out victoriously, no matter if it is if you're single this morning, no matter if you're divorced this morning, no matter if you are married, it don't matter where, where you are in life, the goal of this life is to live it out in a way that gives glory to God. Y'all with me? So your marriage or your life, it's, number one, it should glorify God. Your marriage or your life, it should show people the gospel. And all of a sudden, last thing is it should fulfill the mission of God. Those of you take notes, y'all, it's about as good as I'm going to get. Y'all just hang on because we're going. But your marriage should glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
I see it. We're going to create more. But that, do it all for the glory of God. No matter what you do, do it all for the glory of God. If I'm married, I, my marriage needs to be lived for the glory of God. If I go to work, I need to go to work for the glory of God. Y'all with me? Everything is centered around who? Around God. It doesn't say me, does it? It's all about God. And if we, so your life, your marriage should glorify God. It's not about you. It's not about you at all. And when people say that, when people see your marriage, I want to ask you, when people see your marriage, think back. Has there been opportunities where you have loved your spouse or or treated your spouse in such a dynamic way? When people saw you, it gave glory to God. People were like, whoa, there's something supernatural about that man or that woman because of the way they love each other. I've had that experience only twice in my life. and, And once was, I shared it before, it was this couple that was, just this guy that was tatted up, and he, he takes this beautiful woman, he walks her, and he takes her, and he puts her in his big jacked-up truck. He helps her in, opens the door, and then he gets in. That spoke to me because he was putting her needs above his. It was important that that happened, and I was like, man, that, that don't happen much. And from that moment on, I pledged that I, my wife would never open another door again because I want her to feel that same cherishedness. And, and, and I, not that I want people to look at me, but I, want, I, want, I just want to show her how much I love her because of that. The other thing I saw was, a, it was on Facebook a couple months ago. I seen it was a 80, it was, somebody took a picture of, at a Sonic. And I think it was in um, South Carolina. 80-something-year-old couple. They've been married 60-something years, almost 70 years. And they were sitting there, and he, this man had picked up his wife from an assisted living thing because she was in so bad a shape. She couldn't move her hands. She couldn't, she couldn't feed herself. They were at the Sonic. The door was open, the passenger side door. This 80-year-old man is sitting in the opening of the door, half in, half out, propped up, feeding his wife ice cream. And I know all you ladies are like, oh... But to me, that shows that man, he, he's 80 years old. Let me tell you something. A, a 20-year-old man ain't going to sit in a doorframe and do that. It's sacrificial. He didn't care about how much pain or he didn't care it was hot outside. He just wanted to show his bride that he didn't know how much time she had left, that he loved her, he cherished her, and he cared about her. That's the attitude we should all have. See, when you see how, how when people glorify God, by the way they sacrificed themselves for each other. That's what, that's what glorifies God. When, you, when people look at your life and they see that you're not living it for you, you're living it for a higher purpose, you're living it for the glory of God, everything you do is transformed and changed because you're wanting to do it for Him and not for you. Nothing robs God of more glory than people that claim to be followers of Jesus, but yet they don't live their life in a way that promotes Him. And I know, most of us hit miss the mark often. Just last week, my wife said, you know what, you're preaching this marriage series, you need to practice what you're preaching, son. And I was like, all right, now, this ain't the time to start this. I'm the head of this house, you need to be quiet. She was like, all right, you, need, you know, I ain't, ain't going to keep on with the conversation, but you know which direction I was headed. <laughs> but the thing is, is that marriage should glorify us, glorify God, but the only way it's going to glorify God is that we realized that marriage, the intent of marriage from the beginning was not about your happiness, 
It was about your holiness. And so when we're constantly thinking about, not about how your spouse or how this person at work or that person offended you or hurt you, but you're thinking about, God, what do I need to change so that this doesn't affect me anymore? It's all about your perspective. You got your eyes on you instead of on God. And that takes, I takes every single day dying to myself and putting God first. Every morning, getting out of bed, saying, Lord, my life is about you today, not about me. So, Lord, glorify yourself through me, but help me die to myself. You can't glorify God and be you all the time. Y'all with me? And that's the thing. Our lives should glorify God. How does your marriage glorify God? Think about that. How does your marriage glorify God? Has your marriage ever glorified God? I remember, I remember thinking back, and when I wrote this question down, I had to really think. But I got to thinking about how when God, when, when God saved both of us and we began to walk, that, that began to glorify God. See, a lot of people, your relationship doesn't glorify God because your life isn't. And if our lives are going to be centered on Jesus, that means both people, we have to be like-minded, Amen. We've got to be together in this pursuit of, of, of a godly marriage. And if we're together in it, then both of you have to be following Jesus, have to be born again, have to be pursuing God. And I'm not saying that you raise your hand one time and said a sinner's prayer. I'm saying that you are getting up every morning and spending time with God, that you're spending time with Jesus every day, that he's your rock, that he's your savior, that he's your one and only. He ain't just a part of your life. He is your life. You with me? That's the only way that stuff works out. And you know what happens with me and my wife is when... Monday, when I'm, when I'm pursuing, when both of us are pursuing God, man, it is like, it's like Mary Poppins. I can hear the, the, sun, the sun shining and the, the, everybody singing and dancing. It's, just, it's glorious. But the moment I put me first instead of Jesus, it becomes a wreck. And I have to realize, all right, there's something. I'm the one that, that, that's usually quick to jump. And when Sabrina says, Jeremy, you need to check yourself. And I, need, and I can always go back and say, you know what? The day I was so busy, I didn't spend time with God. I'm thinking more about me than I am about Jesus today. I'm being real with you, so don't be judging me. I see y'all looking at me like that, but I'm just being real. We all struggle with that. But when you, when you recognize that, hey, there's something going on here, you don't need to, it's time for you to go to, to Jesus and get it right. Because most of our relationships would get worked out not just marriages. Most of your relationships, most of your problems with your family, with your friends, most of that stuff will get worked out if you would walk in a way worthy of the gospel. If you would walk in a way worthy of God, if you would walk in a way to say, I'm going to glorify God with my life, no matter if nobody else likes it or not, because it's about him and not about me. The next thing is about how your marriage should show people the gospel. Verses 3 and through 5 in Philippians, it says that... Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Value others more than yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you into the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. So if we're thinking about other people more, we're thinking about our own needs I don't know how many times I've sat in a marriage counseling session and somebody was like, I was like, what's going on? Well, my knees ain't getting met. And it's most time with that same little attitude. 
My needs ain't getting met. They, they don't, they're not treating me the way I want to be treated. And, and what you're doing is you're thinking more about you. And it's like, all right, okay, your needs ain't getting met, but what are you doing? I had a lady tell me one time, say, oh, we ain't talking about me. We talk about him today. I was like, no, ma'am, we're going to be talking about you right now. So the thing is, it all comes back to the gospel. It all comes back to the good news of Jesus. And Jesus thought of himself less, right? If, we're, if our life must be modeled in the likeness of Jesus, then, and, then if we're truly pursuing God every single day, pursuing Jesus, we're being made more and more into the likeness of him, then it's going, our, our lives are going to promote that. Y'all with me? So you can forgive one more time. You can overlook their sarcasm one more time. It don't bother you. I ain't gonna lie. There used to be people that would slander me and talk bad about me. That that man, I want to tell you what's the truth. I when I want to be like Chuck Norris, go up in there roundhouse kick him and take care of it. That's what Jeremy wanted to do. I couldn't roundhouse kick him if I wanted to, but I wanted to. And, and that's but but yet because I am a child of the king, I had to surrender those rights, those feelings to, to go do that. And I just had to I had to just say, God, God, you change it. Do it in your timing. Because my timing is gonna cause catastrophe. It's going to cause something that's going to, it's going to cause them to be bitter and mad at me for years. If I go there and treat them and say what I want to say right now, it's going to, it's going to take years for this to work out. But God, you can change it. And every time I've given it to God, you know what's happened? Most of the time, he's changed it within probably the year. And the relationship has been restored. Things have been fixed. And it's like, you know what? If I'd have done it my way, boy, this would have been still horrible right now. But no, I'm, I'm giving it to God. It's sending your life on the gospel. Does that make sense? Amen? Yes? Y'all with me? It makes sense. So when we center our life on the gospel, things work better. Jesus is the, is the grease that makes this life go by a lot easier. Some of you your gearheads in here, you mechanical junkies. Does that make sense? Some of y'all were like. <laughs> and the ones that got it, I could tell the boy just like, just got a crooked little grin with a smile. Like, I'm, he gets me. I got you. Don't worry. But the thing is, when, our, how, when we are focused on the gospel, number one is that our home will be a place of grace. Our home will be a place of grace. What does that look like? When family members and friends, I'm going to tell you, the way things are, are happening in our world, we need a safe place to come home to. Y'all with me? A judge, judgment-free zone sometimes. When you come home and you get to unwind and, 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 and you get... You got a family member that, that, that's right there beside of you, your spouse that's right there with you, and it's like ointment on a wound. You get to be able to just tell what's going on. And, I, and I've learned this the hard way because a lot of times my mouth runs more than, my, than I listen. I remember one day Sabrina come home from work, and she said she was telling me of a situation at work, and she, handled, she didn't handle it right, and, and so I told her. And she was like, will you just shut up? And I was like, okay. She said, I just need you to listen. I know I was wrong. I just need you to listen. And I was like, okay. You know I'm horrible at that. I know, but I, you're the only one here. <laughs> she didn't need me to give her any judgment at that moment. She needed me to listen to her, to say, baby, you know, I, I, I sympathize with where you are. And then later, after she's, she's calmed down, us to go to God's word and say, all right, now how, how, did, how, did, how did this say that you handled this situation? Or how, how can we do things different so that this don't happen again? Y'all with me? We need to be a place that shows grace. And I want you to remember that 
so many people, I don't know how many marriages that I have talked to and people that the first thing they want to say is, he ain't a godly husband. He's saying he is. She ain't a godly wife. She says she, if she would submit to me, things would work out. Well, I ain't going to submit to you because you ain't leading the family. If you lead the way you, y'all, y'all, I don't even, y'all, I'm telling you, y'all faking it today. That's, the, that's what people are saying, I'm telling you. And I want you to realize that what you're doing is you're setting a goal way up here and realizing that you will never reach that goal. The goal is not perfection. The goal is not perfection. The goal is to walk in a way worthy of God and pursuing him every day. And you got to remember, if you hold the goal, if you hold it up over their head every day and expect them to, to be an angel when you get up in the morning, you're always going to wake up mad because they didn't, they didn't meet your expectations. But in reality, we have to remember that grace invites humility and repentance. When someone comes at me and is like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm sorry I, I messed up. I, I, did, I did this to you. I'm sorry. If my first response is, you, you doggone right. You're a horrible person. You know what? He's going to leave, and that's not going to change nothing. But if I give him grace, and I show him some humility, and I say, you know what, man? I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I just want to tell you I love you and care about you. And you know what usually happens next? He truly is sorry, or she truly is sorry. They truly repent about it, they don't, and they don't do it again. But if we keep casting judgment on people, all it does is keep putting, you keep heaping stones on their head. God's called your home to be a place of grace. Your home also should be a place of service. If, and and I, if you're a parent, you understand what sacrificial service looks like. I never understood what that meant until I had pacing. You get up in the morning, and, and you ain't got no sleep, and you got to change a dirty diaper. Man, come on. Really? Because he, he can't do it for himself. He, he's hollering. You got to feed him. Man, come on. Really? I mean, I just got to bed. Then you, you're like, all right, she'll get it in a minute. She'll get it. And she's over there thinking the same thing. He's going to get up. I done done it three times. He's going to get up. And so you're laying there, and young and screaming, bloody murder, and finally you're like, ah, I'll get it. And you go in there, and you do it, and you got the wrong attitude. But what taught me this is when I realized how pacing my son, he can't do this on his own. At this stage of life he's at, he needs help. So I had to sacrifice sleep. I had to sacrifice my needs. I had to sacrifice sometimes time and and. and to take care of him. See, that's what sacrificial service looks like. And it's the same thing how that should look like with, with our spouses, with other people around us. When Jesus has called us to, to sacrifice, he called us to, uh, to serve. He called us to serve out of a sacrificial heart. Y'all with me? Not putting your needs up here, but you're putting their needs above yours. Way up here. I mean, so many times we want to serve somebody expecting something in return. We're trying to manipulate people to get what we want. If I do this, then they're going to do that. And then when they don't do that, we mad. I heard, a, we were talking through some stuff one day, a friend of mine, and he said, he said, man, I, I, uh, I did, I bought her tickets to this concert, and, and I just, because I, I swear I heard her say that she wanted to go. So I bought these tickets for her, and then she was mad. That I bought these tickets. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, I mean, she said she didn't like the group. I was like, well, was you listening? He said, well, that's what she said. I wasn't ever listening to her. He said, but 
Anyway, I told her that it wasn't the, it wasn't the gift, it was the thought that counted. <laughs> that cop out, you know. He said, but so she should think about how, how I spent that money and how good I was of, of thinking of her enough to get those tickets for the concert that she didn't want to go to. But she should have thought about that. And in return, she should have been really nice to me. But instead, she'd been mad at me for three weeks. And I was like, well, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, bro. You're doing it by what you get out of it instead of doing it out of a, a generous heart, out of just wanting to do something for your, for your spouse. I'm telling you, I talked to some jacked up people. And no, you're not in here. I'm telling you, the act of service, like acts of kindness, respect, self-control, I'm telling you, those things should be the aroma of your household. But so many times, they're not. Because we're focused on us and not on the mission of God. And, I, and I'm talking to you as a fellow brother in Christ, not as your pastor, but I fail just as much as anybody else does at this. Just because I'm a pastor don't mean I'm perfect. I'm close, but I ain't perfect. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. The thing is, is that I'm trying to walk this thing out just like you are. Every day, I make mistakes, I mess up. But the reality is, is we have to, if we want people to see us as people that are truly pursuing Jesus, it is shown more in the way you live than in what you say. And when people see you living it out sacrificially, it speaks more to them. When you don't go golfing to go hang out with your family, it says, golfing is not my God, my wife is my family. When you don't go hunting, I'm going to tell you, because I used to be a hunting fanatic, and I would go hunting. Hunting was more important than my family. But when I quit hunting, that started speaking to other people. Why are you going home? They started calling me whipped. You know, I hear them whoosh, whoosh, noises. Some of y'all in here did that. And, and, and you know, and it's like, oh, you whipped. And finally I had, to, I had to come up and say, you know what? No, I ain't whipped. The thing is, is I realized that I have a good wife that's been home for five years without me. And I want to go home and I want to spend time with my family. And when I started doing that, people quit. They shut up saying that stuff, but they realized I was serious about my relationship with my wife. It's all about sacrifice. And either you're sacrificing your relationship with God or you're sacrificing your relationship with the world. It's no either or. And God's called us to be people that show the gospel through the way we sacrifice. And the last thing is, is your marriage, it should fulfill the mission. And, and so, so what's the mission? What's the mission? Our mission, each and every one of us, our mission is to live a life that glorifies God. But the Great Commission is the mission. Y'all with me? Three people. Y'all with me? All right. Great Commission. Matthew 28. The end of it. Verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The mission is that God planted us here to reach and teach people about the goodness of God. And some people you're going to teach with, with, your, with, your, with what you know. But a lot of most people you're going to teach with the way you live and the way you act. Actions speak louder than words. I can't say that enough. And it does. 
I can tell my wife I love her or I can show her that I love her. But the way I show her confirms what I say. Y'all with me? And the same thing with Jesus. I can say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm I'm all in for you. But then if I don't live my life and my life don't come alongside of that, then my words are nothing but lies. And so if we're living for the mission, we've got a single-minded focus to glorify God with everything we do and and, and with our life so that when we come against things, when our spouse is, is acting like Satan, we can come alongside and be like, you know what? Get behind me, Satan. Or we can... We can, we can come alongside them and be like, look, baby, I'm telling you that today this is, this is wrong and we need, to, we need to pray. We need to seek God for this. We need to come alongside. When your spouse is struggling with something, if we're minded in the mind of Christ, if somebody has hurt your spouse, your first reaction shouldn't be, all right, let me go get the gun. We're going to take care of this. You can tell I grew up rough. But, the next, you know, it should be, all right, no, no, let's pray, baby. Let's seek God. Let's see what God wants to do in this situation. You know, when we're thinking about the Great Commission with God, He called us to go to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything He's commanded you. And He says, I'm with you always. I want you to remember that. He says He will be with you always. Sometimes when we're married, when you're in a relationship, it seems like the glory has departed. It feels like you're in the middle of this thing and you're in it by yourself. I want you to remember one thing. I don't care where you are right now. Jesus is with you if you're a follower of him. He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you always. So right here in the middle of the mess of where you are right now, I don't care if you're married, if you're, if you're, if you're in a relationship Something's going on with other kind of relationships. I don't care where you are. Jesus says he's with you. You got to go to him for wisdom to get out of the mess you're in if you're in a mess. You need to go to him to help him fix the problems that either you've created or they've created. It don't matter. But if our lives are centered on the gospel, we need to realize that God's called us to be people. They're living it out every day, pursuing him. And the only way you do that is you got to keep your eye on the prize. Y'all with me? Keep your eye on Jesus every day. I got to get up every morning and, and, and I got to be intentional that I'm thinking about Jesus because if not, I'm going to be thinking about work. I'm going to be thinking about what I need to do when I get home or I'm going to be thinking about the, these, these people that are in my life that are, are jacked up and messed up. I need to go deal with these people, deal with that people. I, I got all this stuff that hits me every single day. If I'm not careful, I think about my day more than I do about Jesus and what happens at the end of the day, I have failed Jesus because I didn't invite him into my life that day. Y'all with me? It's walking every day with Jesus, keeping my mind on Him. I love the way God made uh, where I live at. When I leave my driveway, I'm, my driveway's pointing straight out where the sun rises. And when I leave in the morning at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning, the sun is rising, it is a constant reminder to me every day of the goodness of God. And when I go out, I, that reminds me, Jeremy, you need to pray right now. If you hadn't prayed yet, you need to pray and seek God when you leave. Center your life right now. God's called us to be that. Making disciples. Husbands, I want to tell you, your wife, your spouse, God's called you to lead her closer to Jesus. God's called you to be that man that, sends, that leads her to Christ, leads her closer to Jesus. In Ephesians, it says that you should cleanse her by the washing of the word. Well, you should be a man of God. Not, not saying you're a pastor or a preacher, but you should be the preacher at your house. You with me? You should be leading your family at your house. 
supposed to be discipling your kids. Don't wait and let, don't think that the youth pastor is supposed to tell your kids how to go meet Jesus. If not, you're missing the whole point. God's put you there. God's blessed you with those kids so you can teach them the ways of the Lord so that when they get old, they will never depart from it. Y'all with me? And I can see people, I want to tell you how important that is, church, because when men and women are living their life out for the glory of God and focused on the mission, they raise kids that love Jesus Christ. And I've sat in churches where they're like, I mean, good people, great people that, that had great intentions, but they just, they didn't, they missed this. My life's too busy. We're going to send them to church. Let, let the pastor do it. Let the youth pastor do it. And they missed the greatest blessing of discipling their kids and seeing their kids walk with Jesus. I got a privilege yesterday. There's a, there's a young man that's in my life. He's like a second son to me. And he's, uh, he's 23, and I've known him since he was probably 12 years old. His mom and daddy were intentional with, with just constantly constantly just invoking truth in him, constantly giving, doing devotions with him, constantly telling him it ain't about being religious. It's about following Jesus. It's constantly. And this little guy is hungry for the word. We eat breakfast together. We're going to start every, every week. We're just spending time together. But I look at his life and I see how his mom and daddy did it. And I'm like, they're the only people that I really truly know that got it right. Because they, they said, you know what? It's going to step on some toes right now, but you know we're going to say it. You know what? Baseball ain't important right now, son. He was great at baseball. He could, have played, he could have played every traveling team there ever was. But he said, you know what? It's not that important, son. If it's going to take away from your time and devotion to the Lord, you don't need to do it. But you make that decision. There was other things that he was great at that they, they, they just they said, hey, it's in your court, but you need to think about your relationship with God. Most of the time he made the right decision. Sometimes he didn't. But looking back in that, they instilled that in him. Homeboy is welding for a living right now. He's making 35 bucks an hour, making more money than most everybody in this room. But, and yesterday we were sitting there across the table and he's crying saying, Jeremy, I feel like God's telling me to leave this. And I don't know what that next step is, but I'm willing to go and work at McDonald's if he wants me to do it because I want to glorify God. Man, I want to tell you, y'all know me. I cried just a little bit because that's a picture of people that get it. And, and he will always have that legacy that my mom and daddy love me enough to sit down and he will instill that in his kids. If you are tired of that, of, I didn't get that growing up. Most of us in this room didn't get that growing up. Why don't you be the people that break the cycle of that in your life and you start raising godly parents, godly kids that get it at an early age and they stand on a solid ground when they're in high school and say, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Y'all with me? The only way that changes is we got to be the change maker. We've got to be the agents that say, I'm going to break that chain right now and we're going to be intentional about serving God. Husbands and wives have to be focused together at doing that. You will never raise godly children unless you and your spouse are following Jesus together. I think about James Dobson. Everybody knows James Dobson. James Dobson would not be where he is if it wasn't for his granddaddy. His granddaddy prayed fervently that his grandsons would be used in ministry. I think there was 18 of them, something like that. Out of all those kids, 
James was the only one that wasn't in full-time ministry, wasn't even serving in a church. He, he said he didn't want to have nothing to do with that. But the prayers of his faithful granddaddy, he couldn't get away from. And finally, after just after, after keep pushing off, pushing off, he didn't want to do it. Finally, he surrendered and he started working in child psychology. And as you know, he, were, he, he, he started and founded Focus on the Family. And he's impacted more families than anybody else that's living right now. Because his earthly granddaddy had a vision for his grandson's life. Y'all with me? The only way we can impact the, other, the next generation is that we as adults, we as parents, we're intentional with our relationship with Jesus and we're intentional with raising children that are following Jesus. But we have to have that mindset. And it's hard. No doubt it's hard. But getting up going to work on Monday is hard, but you still do it. Amen? Y'all ain't going to amen that, huh? I'm telling you, you got to focus on the race, church. You got to focus on the prize. The prize is Jesus. The prize is eternity. And if I want my, I want my son, I wake you up every morning praying that I may, I'm not, I don't get caught up in ministry trying to minister to all you guys that I forget my son. I pray for him often that God lets me raise a godly son, that God allows me to, to be that influence. I got one right now. That's all I got to worry about. I don't know if I can worry about too many more. Whew. But is that your prayer? So often we just haphazardly do life and we're like, you know what? I'll disciple my kids when I get time. And you know what happens is the world disciples your kids and then you wonder what happened? They don't love Jesus. They don't go to church. It's because you were not doing what God called you to do because you were so focused on you. And when our life is centered on the gospel, our life is not centered on me. It's centered on Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. And the reason so many of us don't live a life of fulfillment is because we don't truly know Jesus. Yeah, oh yeah, we've, we've grown up in church. We've grown up around here where he's familiar to us, but he ain't the Lord of our life because we've never truly surrendered to him. And that's the problem that 90% of people have. You might be truly pursuing God, no doubt, but there's areas in your life that you have not yielded to him. And it's time for us as God's people to be real and transparent with God and saying, you know what, God, there, there, there's this in my life. There's that in my life. God, rid me of that. Help me figure out how I need to overcome this so that I can be the follower you've called me to be. And parents, I want to tell you something. You don't have a choice in this. You don't have a choice in this. You need to get over you. You need to get over your schedule. You need to get over your job. You need to start looking at those kids and say, you know what? I need it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do what's right for my kids. Because if you don't do it, if you don't do it, somebody else will. You're looking at a man that allowed the world to disciple him. And I thought all it meant to follow Jesus was to go to church, say a sinner's prayer, and I could live any way I wanted to. I partied like it was going out of style. All you know my testimony like it. And if, I, if, if God hadn't opened my eyes, praise the Lord, he opened my eyes. If he hadn't opened my eyes, I would have raised my son in that same junk. Him thinking it was all right just to go to church on Sunday and live like hell the rest of the week. Him thinking it was all right to treat his mama any way he wanted to live. 
I'm telling you guys, I look at my life and I thank Jesus that He's shown me a different way. Has He shown you a different way? And if He's shown you, are you walking in that? The only way your life and your, I'm going to say your marriage right now, the only way your marriage is going to fulfill what God's called it to is for you to get over you and you to put your life centered on Jesus Christ. If you hadn't done that, the days to do it. Don't put it off. Don't stop. Don't quit. If you're here today and you're not married, maybe you're looking at the failure of, of, of yesterday. Maybe today, you, maybe today you're looking at it and you're like, you know what? I, I know exactly what you're saying, what God's saying through you right now. And you know what? I'm sitting here today and I'm divorced. But my marriage is horrible. I know, I know people walk in that. I know sometimes divorce is catastrophic. And it may have been your fault. It may have been their fault. Right now, it don't matter. Right now, you're divorced. Maybe right now you're walking with this guilt. You're walking with this hurt. Maybe you need to come to God and say, Lord, before I can make my marriage be my, this marriage I'm in or this marriage, or this, people, this person that I'm pursuing right now, maybe before I can give them all of me, I've got to get rid of this junk inside of me. Y'all with me? Some of you got to forgive you because God's already forgiven you. You with me? Stop walking to condemnation and look at, the, look at God. Look at the cross and go to Him today. Has there ever been a time for men and women to get up, to put themselves aside and say, Lord, I want you to focus, allow me to focus my life on you is today. It's where we live at right now. Right now. I'm not talking to the people anywhere else. I'm talking to the people right here. God's got you here for a reason today. The question is, if you truly centered your life on the gospel, if you truly centered your life on Jesus, are you really living it out every day because your actions speak louder than your words? No doubt there's always room to change. Some of us are that same old 77 Chevrolet that God found us at. Y'all with me? We ain't never let, we ain't never allowed God to patch any holes. We ain't never allowed God to change anything. We just bumping through life the same way we was to begin with. God didn't call you to be that way. God called to change you, to change your life, to transform you into the likeness of his son Jesus. So maybe today you need to come to this altar and give that to him and say, God, you know what? I have surrendered my life, but there's a lot of stuff I haven't yet. God help me deal with that. He called us to be people or living for him. And if we are truly those people transparently following Jesus, centered on the gospel, we can reach thousands and thousands of people for the glory of God because people are dying to see it real in your life. That old crazy uncle at the family reunion, he's, he's dying to see it real in your marriage, in your life. That couple that's in your family, that's had a horrible, abusive relationship their whole entire life. They're dying to see it real in your marriage, in your life. They're dying to see, you know what? There is a way. There is a better way. I don't know what they have or what's enabling them to overlook all these problems that's in their marriage, but you know what? I want what they have. I want that salve. I want that ointment on my body. I want that from me. God's wanting to use you guys to be vessels of change for the community around you, but you got to be willing to step out and say, you know what? It ain't about me no more, God. It's all about you. Are you ready to be that? Because now's the time to respond. As the band comes up, my heart, 
I tell you guys, my heart's beating a thousand miles an hour. And I hadn't drank one Red Bull this morning. Praise the Lord. My heart's beating in anticipation of who's going to really respond to the gospel this morning. Because so many times we come in here and we feel the Spirit telling us that there's stuff we need to change. But our prideful self won't move. And I've been where you are, where I know the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I, and I want to move, but I just can't get my butt in gear. And I've struggled with that before. You know, one day, I mean, y'all going to think this is silly, but Lord, I said, Lord, my transmission just tore up this morning. You're going to have to put me in gear if you want me to go to that altar, but I'm broken right now, and God, I just can't, I just can't keep going. You know what happened? I was walking to the altar and didn't even know I was walking. Sometimes you need to pray for God to fix your transmission this morning. Amen? You need to pray for God to change your heart so that you're not just okay with being okay. You're not okay with just coming to church and going through the motions. That you want to be the vessel of change God's called you to be. Maybe your husband is looking for it to be real in your life, ladies. Maybe husband, your your wife is looking for you to be real about it. I remember my wife telling me, she said, Jeremy, if it wasn't for you constantly praying and constantly being that godly example, I would have never came to know Jesus because I thought I was saved because I just went to church, but I was only just religious. And when I realized how much you loved me, despite of how mean I was to you some days, I realized there was something different. And one day she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and our life has been never, man, I'm telling you, it never been better. And some of y'all just need to surrender your life to God. So if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ, and you, you said, you know what, I want that peace, I want that hope, and I want that, I just want that difference for my life. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. I'm tired of controlling my life because you know what, I've made a wreck of my life so far. If that's you this morning, and you truly want to give your life to God and surrender, can I just challenge you to raise your hand so we can pray for you and we can just thank God for you? Nobody, huh? Somebody's lying. But that's fine. God's called us to be people that are sensitive to his voice and sensitive to him. So if God's moving in your heart, you come do business with him at his altar. If there's something special, something specific that you need prayer for, intentional prayer for, I'll be in this corner. Find Mr. Nick or Miss Joyce. Anybody in the blue shirt, let them play, pray over you and pray for you. Don't leave this place without getting right with God. Y'all with me? You hear me? So if you, I'm going to make you promise on me. Say, I'm not going to leave here. Come on. Say, I'm not going to leave here. Come on, everybody. I can see. I'm not going to leave here. Until I make it right with God. All right. You promised. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, God. And Father, just pray that you'd move in a mighty way in our hearts. That, Lord, we're not walking in shame or walking in guilt but God we just God I just pray right now that you move in our hearts God so that we are your people that our marriages reflect you that our lives reflect you that God that everything we do shows people that of your goodness and your glory and that God that shows that you're real Lord God I pray that you would sh- our actions would show people the realness of you God Lord they can't see you but they see us and God I pray that we'd be the lighthouse of what you called us to be God I pray right now for the lives of every person under the sign of my voice Father I pray God that you would move in their hearts and God that they would not be okay with with staying the same way they are Lord we say it all the time that it's okay to not 
it's okay to not be okay, but it ain't okay to stay that way. And God, I pray that we would just, that Lord, that all of us would, would surrender that selfishness, that pride, and God, we would get right with you, Lord. If there's bitterness, we would get rid of it, Lord. If there's, God, anything going on, God, if our marriage isn't what you call it to be, then God, I pray that we would grab our spouses and come to this altar and beg you to help us fix it, Lord. I pray, God, that if we, uh, people in this in this place right now have been going through a divorce, and God, they're, they're hurting, they're, they're troubled, God, they don't know what the next step is. I pray, God, you would move in their heart, and God, they would seek redemption today, Lord. God, move in a mighty way in us and through us. And God, please, Lord, let none of us have said anything in vain. God, speak to us in Jesus' name, we pray. If you will, stand. And if God's moving, y'all come meet me at this altar.